0: The Bible contains great financial advice and also answers questions of morality. Join us as we look for answers to your questions and help you know your Bible. Good morning. Welcome back to Know Your Bible. Glad you're here. Glad uh, you've come back to hear some more of our answers to your questions. And that's what we do each week on this program is answer Bible questions. We want you to know your Bible a little bit better and we found a pretty good way to do that is just let you decide what we talk about. So if you're a viewer and want to know about something in the Bible or maybe something in your life that you wonder what the Bible would have to say about it, there's a phone number and a website on the screen throughout the program. Use those anytime to get in touch with us and tell us what you want us to uh, talk about, and you direct the program. So that's how we operate, and we try to answer as many as we can each week. Toby Levering helps me answer questions. Good morning, Toby. Hi, Steve. Glad you're back and ready to go here, and we're going to... uh, Get going after, we give our viewers one call, one answer question. Uh, we always give you a little bit of Bible information to see if you know it. What was Paul's hometown, the Apostle Paul? Uh, where was he born and grew up? And we'll give you the answer to that at the end of the program. See if you know a little Paul history. All right, Toby, I think you got the first one today. Certainly a big topic in the culture today.
1: Mm-hmm. The viewer wants to know, how does God... Perceive transgender people, and my answer to that is he perceived them exactly as he created them to be. Uh, The psalm says in Psalm 139, uh, verses 13 and 14, that God created us, uh, created my inmost being, and knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I personally believe God doesn't make mistakes when he creates anything, be it. Anything in the created world and certainly with human beings. So uh, God perceives them as the gender that He gave them. Uh, They were uh, given an XX chromosome, then they would, of course, be female. An XY chromosome, they would be male. And that's how he perceives them. Uh, deeper question maybe you're asking is how does he feel about them or does he have any sympathy toward them? I think he still loves them, and I think he's certainly, uh, they are still made in his image. Uh, but my guess is he would want them to get uh, help and uh, to, you know, that clearly the person who is in that situation has some, emotional problems and perhaps some mental problems and needs to get that worked on uh, gender is not something you can change as as politically incorrect of an idea as that seems to be god created us male and female in fact that's the verse we're going to look at in genesis chapter 1 verse 27 says god created mankind in his own image in the image of god he created them male and female he created them and that's uh, whatever gender you're given when you're born, that's what you are. I believe that's how God perceives you. Uh, and if you try to change that, I think you're just going to cause yourself and the people around you a whole lot of hurt and problems. So I think he'd he you and want you to get help. If you're a person of that uh, struggling with that, I think he'd want you to get some help and see some doctors and make sure that you're uh, not trying to change who he created you to be.
0: All righty. Thank you, Toby. Bible question about suicide. The viewer wants to know where in the Bible does it talk about suicide? And what does it say? Well, uh basically the Bible doesn't mention suicide, doesn't use that term. There are a few people that took their own life. There are a few cases of what we call suicide. Uh Judas, of course, took his own life after he betrayed Jesus and realized what he had done. Uh he hung himself. Uh, other than that there aren't very many, uh, in fact most of the others are a case of, uh, uh, it is suicide but it's more uh, trying to avoid being captured in war or tortured in war or something like that. The, uh, King Saul's the best example in second, uh, First Samuel 31 you can read that story. Uh, he was in battle with the Philistines and he was wounded critically the Bible says. And he knew what the Philistines would do to him if they captured the king. Uh, And it wouldn't be a pretty thing. So he asked his armor bearer, he said, Go ahead and take my life, Uh, take your sword and end my life, uh, because when they capture me, I don't want to go through that. Uh, The armor bearer refused to kill the king, so Saul took his own sword and fell on it and avoided the the torture and the humiliation that uh, they would parade him around as a a trophy in front of everyone. So uh, most of them are cases like that where they're in battle and things haven't gone well and uh, they end it. Now, the interesting thing is the Bible has no judgment, no teaching, uh, positive or negative, about that. It just says it happened. It doesn't say if God approves or disapproves or anything. It just states it as fact. Uh, So there's no teaching about suicide in the Bible. Now, I know that some religions and some people reason that, okay, the Bible says murdering is wrong. Well, suicide is just self-murder, so it's got to be wrong. And on top of it, there's no chance to ask for forgiveness after you do it. So, obviously, it's a sin, and obviously, you're going straight to hell. Uh, I think that reasoning, that human reasoning, leaves out something very important. I think that leaves out God. Uh, God has all knowledge. God is all merciful. Uh, God is a just God. He knows exactly what was in somebody's mind and heart uh, when they took their own life. Uh, He's going to make the right decision. Uh, From my reasoning, my point of view, uh, no one who takes their own life is really in their right mind. Uh, Something's wrong. Something's a problem. Uh, I've participated in funerals of people who have done that, and I know their uh, story, their history. Uh, One young lady had gone to Iraq and uh, been through war and came back with post-traumatic stress syndrome and just couldn't get it fixed and uh, ended up taking her own life Uh, very very sad uh, very very difficult for any family involved in something like that and so i think to use our reasoning and say well they're condemned uh, is not only wrong i think it's very very cruel Uh, i think we ought to leave that kind of judgments to god he is all merciful all knowledgeable uh, he knows what they were thinking or not thinking, and uh, He'll take care of things just fine. He'll make the right decision. So Bible doesn't really talk about it, but there's you some thinking about it anyway. All right, Toby?
1: Yeah, a ver- person would like to know a specific verse. They ask, is there a New Testament Scripture that says God no longer performs miracles today? And the answer is to to that is yes, there is a Scripture, and I'll give it to you in just a minute. I want to talk for a brief time about miracles themselves uh, true miracles that is where they defy the the natural order they go outside the natural or sometimes you'll hear someone a uh, new baby is born and they'll just say oh it's just a, it's just a miracle well I get what they're meaning by that, but it's not a true miracle. True miracles, there's something that goes outside the natural order, above and beyond it, Uh, not something that we normally see. Uh, It is supernatural, uh, is something that is very uh, rarely occurring in the Scriptures. Uh, somebody who do, counted once said there was 124 times they, Perhaps there were more episodes that weren't recorded, but my point is it, there weren't very many instances in the totality of time that Scripture covers in which a miraculous <clears throat> event occurred. And there was a purpose in those miracles. Uh, it was to to bring belief and faith and trust in God. And uh, John chapter 20 uh, records uh, this. Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book, but these are written that you may believe Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. So there's not very many. Uh, The ones that there are are for a specific purpose. And we believe that uh, in the unfolding of God's purpose... Uh, that there was a time when miracles were necessary and helpful for certainly in the growth of the early church and to prove that these people were from God and they had the authority of God. But now that we have his word and his spirit dwells within us, uh, we don't have the need for the miracles uh, like they did at that time. Now, to, for the verse you asked for, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 8, Paul's speaking here about spiritual gifts. And he says the greatest spiritual gifts, gift is love, and he compares them to all the other spiritual gifts, and he says this, but where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, referring to a special miraculous knowledge that you hadn't studied, it will pass away. So, yeah, the scripture does say that miracles were for a time and for a purpose, but that they were going to pass away shortly, and I believe we're in that time today.
0: Yeah. Okay. Uh, I think it's important on that to always mention that uh, we're talking about miracle, the miraculous gift that God gave some men to do miracles. Uh, he doesn't do that anymore, but if God wants to do a miracle,
1: yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> it's okay with us, and yeah, I think yeah. He still does. Yeah, some
1: people say you put God in a box. <laughs> no, I'm not trying to do that at all. I just uh, I no. haven't observed one, and well, if He wants to do one, that's fine. <laughs> well,
0: he, he does things that. You know, doctors can't explain, and and all. that's why we pray for things that we can't understand. But in the New Testament times, Toby might have the gift of miracles and be able to heal somebody by touching them. Uh, there's people that claim to be able to do that today, but uh, never proven. <laughs> all right, let me uh, talk about a good way to study the Bible. We uh, study the Bible with you a little bit every week. and. Uh, there's a whole lot more in the Bible than we ever get to. So, we have some free Bible study materials. We're happy to share them with you. Uh, all you have to do is call that number on the screen or log on to the website and say, I'd like that free course. And what you'll get is a, a one course, the first lesson in this eight lesson course that you see on the screen right now. It's a, just a good course introduction to the Bible and brings up some of the topics in the Bible, the major ones. And when you're done, you'll understand your Bible a lot more. You start off by studying the Old Testament and the New Testament, see what those are about, and then get down into more details once you 're done with this eight lessons we 've got some more advanced courses that uh, we can keep you studying the Bible for quite a while with we'll no your Bible study tools and uh, we hope you enjoy it and uh, well, we know you 'll enjoy it if you invest just a little bit of time and uh, you 'll learn a lot more about the Bible so phone number website anytime tell us you 'd like that free course. All right, we uh, talk a lot about Baptism on this program, because people ask a lot of questions about baptism, and this person's very uh, to the point he says, "Does baptism save us? Uh, like I said, we get all kinds of questions, and people wonder about it because there's a lot of different teaching in the religious world about whether baptism's necessary or whether you have to do it or whether it's really uh, essential to salvation and all those kind of terms. Uh, this viewer cuts it down and just says, "Does baptism save us?" Well, me put it this way: there is a verse that says that, and I could just read that verse to you and say, "There, that proves it," uh, because we on this program do believe baptism is necessary for salvation. But if I just read that part of that verse to you, uh, that wouldn't be dealing fairly with the text; uh, wouldn't be considering the context. And if you watch this program very long, you know we like to figure out the context and see what a verse really means. So let's think about that just a little bit. Uh, The verse I'm going to read you in just a moment, Peter is talking about Noah and the ark. He's describing that situation. And he says eight people got into the ark and the ark carried them through the water to safety. And right after he says that, this is what he says, 1 Peter 3.21. He says, baptism, which corresponds to this. Okay. Baptism's like Noah in the Ark, somehow. He said, baptism now saves you. Okay, or viewer asked, does baptism save us? Well, Peter said baptism saves you. Not as a removal of dirt from the body, but as an appeal to God for a good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Okay, so if you read it all, what he's saying is the resurrection of Jesus is what saves us. Uh, Jesus' blood is what saves us. Uh, but when we hear that and believe it and want a good conscience before God, we do what he says. And Jesus said to be baptized. So he's making the picture. He says baptism corresponds to Noah one the ark okay, let's go back to Noah and the ark. Eight people got in the ark. The ark saved them in one sense. If they weren't in it, they were going to die in the flood. But it wasn't really the ark that saved them. It wasn't really the water that saved them. It was their faith. It was their response to God. Okay, So he's making the picture that baptism, it's not just the water. It's not getting in and getting clean physically or the water itself doesn't magically save you. But when you do it, you're responding to God. You're obeying. Some of you may be familiar with an old song called Trust and Obey. Well, that's kind of the Biblical formula. You trust in Jesus to save you. If you do, you obey anything He says. And Jesus said, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. So, uh, to say baptism saves us kind of implies that, well, you can take anybody and dip them in water and they'll be saved. No, it doesn't work like that. It's not water regeneration. It's their heart responding to God and obeying what He said to do. I think the best way to say it, the way I like to say it, is we are saved at baptism. I know Peter says we're saved by baptism, and you can say that as long as you understand the context, but I think it's better to say we're saved at baptism. And the one verse that makes that extremely clear is Romans 6, 3, Paul writing to Christians. He said, don't you know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We're saved by his death. How do we contact his death, make contact with his blood? We're baptized into him. Okay. Uh, The only way to get to heaven would be in Christ. And the only biblical answer I can find on how to get into Christ is to be baptized into Christ. So we're saved at baptism. And uh, if you understand the context and make sure you know what you're saying, uh, you could say, yes, baptism saves us. But the faith, Jesus' blood, saved by faith through His resurrection, all those different ways of explaining it uh, make it pretty clear, I think. So hope that helps you on the question about baptism. All right, Toby. What do you get? Question:
1: uh, I am a believer, but I don't read my Bible. Am I wrong? Well, I'll start by saying uh, I don't think you're alone. I think there are a lot of people who who uh, just trust what maybe people on television tell them or what people in the pulpit tell them uh, without reading their Bible. But also in terms of history, uh, there have been many centuries uh, where having a Bible was an exceptionally rare thing. Certainly before the printing press, and much of Scripture had to be passed down. Orally and by telling stories, uh, passing that down from one generation to another. Uh, so, as far as reading goes, it's probably uh, on the minority of people who do it and people who have done it in history. Uh, but I do think that reading your Bible is a good thing. Now, you ask the question, Am I wrong? And I'm not going to say you're wrong, but I will say I think you're missing many opportunities. Uh, ...to not only uh, know Christ better, but to grow in your faith. I made a short little list here. You can uh, read through it with me, or you can uh, take a picture of it and think about it. Uh, One, it helps you to know uh, God and Jesus better. Uh, They, of course, wrote the book. We believe that all Scripture is divinely inspired by the very breath of God... So when you're reading Scripture, what you're doing is getting to know God and Jesus and the Holy Spirit better. You're learning about them. You're understanding them. You're seeing how they work. You're watching. uh, You're letting their words uh, impress your life. Secondly, it helps you to live a blessed life. I believe in everything from parenting to business running to uh, how you manage your household and how you uh, uh, do things in your finances, Uh, all of the Best advice you'll ever find on any of those very practical topics are right from the Bible. Uh, Many of them we discuss each week, uh, scriptures that people will ask about or things that people will ask about. We can point right to the Bible, and uh, that's because God wants us to live a blessed, productive, successful life. Third, it allows you to mature as a Christian. Paul says when you start out, you're an infant in Christ. You ought to long for the pure spiritual milk so that you can grow, so you can understand. Certainly, you don't have to understand everything to be a Christian. uh, But as you grow and mature and gain wisdom... One of the things that really helps you do that is uh, just by reading God's Word. Many times I've been ignorant of a subject, and someone's pointed me to the right Scripture to help understand uh, better than I did before. That's maturity. Fourth, you it instructs you to do what's right, and this is certainly true in our world today. We have uh, fewer and fewer people that know the difference between right and wrong, and God's Word spells it out very clearly. Fifth, it gives you spiritual nourishment. Jesus said, uh, Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that f- comes from the mouth of God. Six, that gives you encouragement and hope. Some of the most encouraging and uh, uh, scriptures that help us persevere through life's troubles and difficulties are found in the pages of the Bible. And finally, it gives you wisdom and discernment. It'll help you grow wiser uh, than your years if you just. Uh, take some time and spend it in God's Word. So there's a lot of good reasons to do it, and I really think you're missing out on the opportunities if you don't. So I would encourage you to do it. Find a good Bible reading app on your phone or on a website or even sign up for the Bible correspondence course. These are great ways to take a kind of an intimidating book and just go in a little bit at a time. You'll be blessed to do so.
0: All right. Thank you, Toby. viewer wants to know, why don't my prayers get answered? And uh, the operator that took the call said this viewer described all of the troubles in their life, all the things that were going wrong and health problems and this kind of problem and all that, Uh, and they prayed for relief from all these things and it hadn't happened. So the question was, why don't my prayers get answered? Well very briefly let me say that implies that the only answer to prayer is yes. Uh, is what you're asking for. Uh, God answers prayers, sometimes no. In fact, some wit said one time that God has three answers to prayer. Sometimes He says yes, sometimes He says no, and sometimes He says not yet. Uh, I also read another fellow that said, sometimes he says, I can't believe you took so long to ask. (laughs) Finally, you asked me for what I wanted to give you. Uh, But the point is, just because you don't get exactly what you want, it uh, doesn't mean the prayer had not been answered. Uh, sometimes it, the answer might be no. Now, uh, I don't know why your prayers aren't getting answered, but let me kind of generalize what the Bible teaches us about prayer. It says, first of all, you have to ask. And it even says to ask persistently. Keep on asking for what you want. Uh, it says you have to ask believing. Uh, James goes on in some detail about not doubting. Uh, believe that God's going to give it to you have faith. And the third thing is it has to be in His will. Uh, When we ask for things, some things we think we want, some things we think are best for us, but they're not in God's will. Uh, You don't give your children everything they ask for. Well, some people do, unfortunately, but you shouldn't give your children everything they ask for. Uh, Sometimes you know it's not good for them. And so you say, no, you can't have that not going to do it. First uh, John 5.14 is a good verse to read. It stresses this thing about God's will. John said, this is the confidence that we have in Him. If we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And if we know that He hears us whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desire of Him. So, always consider that. In fact, I think that's a good thing to put in a prayer is, God, here's what I want. Here's what I think is best for me. I want this right now. But your will be done. If that's not in your will, show me that somehow. Help me understand it. But your will be done. You might recognize that prayer. That's what Jesus prayed in the garden. Uh, Jesus told his father, I don't want to go through with this crucifixion thing, uh, but I'll do your will. Whatever you want, that's what I'll do. Your will be done. Take this moment and visit. I invite you to visit a Church of Christ near you. We're kept on the air by Churches of Christ, and uh, we appreciate our supporters that do that. Let me mention a couple in uh, central Kansas here today Oxford, uh, the city of Oxford, and Pratt. Uh, both have great folks that uh, worship at the Church of Christ there out in Pratt. Steve Triplett's a minister. Uh, you may know him or know him in the community. Uh, I know you'd enjoy hearing him speak. Uh, Preach the Word of God and get to know him and his uh, family, visit the Pratt Church of Christ or the Oxford Church of Christ if you live in those communities and maybe you know somebody that attends one of those churches. Uh, if you do, tell them, hey, I heard about you Y'all Know Your Bible. I appreciate that program and thanks for keeping it on for me. So visit the Church of Christ near you.
1: Okay, i got a semantic question here. A person <laughs> asks, are the Holy Ghost and the Holy Spirit the same or separate? And the answer to that question is they are the same. Uh, The difference has to do largely with the translation. Uh, Holy Ghost was a common name for the Holy Spirit, uh, and the King James uh, translation is the one that usually uses that uh, terminology of the Holy Ghost. Uh, There's no clear reason in my research why translators chose ghost uh, as opposed to spirit. It's the same Greek and Hebrew word, but it is just a translation different the American Standard Version, New American, NIV, ESV, most of the modern translations, uh, English translations, uh, all translate those words as Holy Spirit. So they're the same.
0: All thank you, Toby. A uh, viewer wants to know about uh, grieving. Is it a bad thing uh, to cry for a long time when a loved one dies? Well, I'd have to know what you meant by a long time. Are you talking a few weeks, a few months, or years and years? Uh, and also, are you talking about occasional crying or continuous kind of crying? Um, I think the point is grief is a process. Grieving's a process. And yes, we cry a lot at the beginning of grief in different stages and maybe years later uh, when we begin to think about our loved one, tears will come to our eye. I think that's perfectly fine. Uh, but continuous for a long, long time. No, you need to go through the grieving process. Don't get stuck in that one. Uh, Find a counselor, a good Christian-based counselor, or uh, ask uh, your funeral home that uh, handled the service, or any funeral home. Uh, They usually have some materials about grieving and uh, you can read through those and study that. and may help you understand the process of grieving. So, no, certainly natural to cry for quite a while, uh, depending on the situation, but you need to move through that and at some point things get better. Uh, That's what the process of grieving is about as we go on with life and yes, we still miss our loved one and cry occasionally, but we get on with life. So uh, not knowing the exact definition of your terms, I can't give you a ready answer, but get some counseling help if you think you need it. Alright, let's answer our trivia question today before we finish up. Uh, what was Paul's hometown? Well, Paul himself was from the city of Tarsus. And the interesting thing about Tarsus was that he was, uh, uh, that was a Roman colony. He was a Roman citizen as well as a Jew. So uh, Paul was born in the city of Tarsus and that's the way he referred him to himself sometimes. All right, we're out of time for new questions, but we'll uh, invite you to be back next week because we're going to answer some more of them. And if you haven't, uh, maybe today we've stirred something in your mind, you wonder something about one of the things we said, give us a chance to straighten it out or clarify it. Uh, give us a call or log on, and we'll get to it in the weeks up ahead. So glad you were with us today, and we hope you're back next week. Till then, you have a great week.